This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse... We talk with an abuse survivor named Ethan, and Ethan was in a toxic relationship with an emotional vampire. It's a story of isolation, the fog, triangulation, infidelity, and invisible illnesses. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. I am Brandon Chadwick, and today's episode is with someone named Ethan, a survivor named Ethan. And this episode was in our bonus episodes. It was recorded in early 2020, and I never cleaned it up, and and it's been cleaned up as much as possible the last 20 minutes of this episode. There are sound issues, but it's uh, not that bad. Hopefully you can make it through, but it's just a really interesting episode. It is textbook in a, a lot of ways. The person that Ethan, Ethan was dealing with was really a true con artist in a way. He was he was being used. He didn't know it, and uh, everything here is really kind of clear cut. There's not really a subtlety. There's just a lot of stuff kind of going on behind the scenes. So like a really big thank you to Ethan for being our guest at that time and for uh, everything. And if you want to be a guest like Ethan was on our show uh, or is today on our show, uh, please do go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says guest form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our guest form page, read all the instructions and send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or please do uh, just fill out our sub our form right there and press the submit button. So again, a big thanks to Ethan and sometimes I, I had to put myself in this episode to make a uh, proper uh, segue so there might be a tiny bit of a sound difference in some spots and some of the original sound as well. So my apologies for that. I just thought this was really interesting for everyone to hear. And I finally got around to uh, cleaning this up uh, as it should have been done two years ago. So my apologies uh, to everyone uh, and Ethan. So now, uh, without further ado, and I'm going to say it anyway like this, even though he's not here right now, Ethan... The floor is now yours. Okay. Well, I probably like set the stage a little because, like, um, just sort the pro- of the prologue. The prologue, right? Like, like just some understanding like what was going on with me. So it, it's like, you know, like how things took root. Um, but so, like, this was this all started to occur not too long after I had like a really challenging like experience with a coworker they had like which 
could be a story all in its own, but it's like, um, but in short, like I had to like, like get HR involved with this person because they were like, their behavior was unacceptable. And so they were taken off the same schedule as me. They weren't allowed to be in the building when I was, and it was pretty bad. So it was like a really stressful period and I got pretty depressed. Um, I think like, I don't know, I, I like receded a lot and just like focused on my work. So I think they were like spreading rumors about me and stuff. But to be honest, like I wasn't really, I was trying not to talk to anybody or, or get involved with anything at all because it was so like, uh, like the whole situation was pretty intimidating. But uh, I ended up switching to a brand new team to get a, get away from that mess at the, the new team at the same company and uh, was like starting to like rebuild and get into the flow of things because of all this in part, like, cause I'm working at a company in a city I'd never like lived in before. Um, so I didn't have any close friends or family who lived, you know, in the same state even. So, and because of the whole event I had with the coworker, I just wasn't feeling comfortable even making friends to begin with. So I was like, you know, my hobbies and interests are really independent. So like I, I illustrate much of the time and I just work on that. So it's not a like go out on the town kind of like thing or, go places and do stuff with other people. Um, but like, that's kind of how my life's going at the time when this all begins. So it is safe to say that Ethan has low self-esteem or lower self-esteem and is a bit of an introvert. So uh, with him and work being uh, a big thing, eventually he does meet the person that this story is about at his place of work. I don't know who they were at all. I um, I don't even think I knew their name at this point. They were a brand new hire onto my team and they may have only been working on the team for like a few weeks, maybe three or four weeks, but I didn't know what was going who they were, what was going on with them um, at all. Cause I was just sticking to my own work, but like, it all started like one day. It's like uh, I take my lunch break in my cubicle at work, and uh, so she just like she comes she comes up to my cubicle and asks if she can like sit in my cube during lunch because I, I uh, this workplace you can bring your dog to work so I brought like my small dog, and so she just wanted to sit. Uh, she asked to you know like like she told me she needed a quiet place to sit and you know could she just like pet my dog during lunch and I'm like well that's fine you know and uh. On my lunches, I just practice my illustration anyhow to sort of decompress. And uh, and so, you know, um, we hardly talked at all, and she would just sit there quietly. And after a few days of that, she had me uh, join her on Google Hangouts where we'd chat during the workday. Um, so we're, like, starting to become, like, uh, friends, like getting to know each other. Um, but then uh, she would also message me all the time after work too. So we're just, we're having chats just all the time, basically. Um, and like nothing seemed off about it at all. We were just building a nice like friendship, I guess. And like, because of the emotional state I was in, like all the attention was really great. You know, like I, I didn't really have a, you know, local friend at the time, um, and so it was nice to be like building a friendship. But uh, after a couple weeks of that, she like asked if I wanted to hang out like outside of work, you know, like a non-romantic kind of way. Cause like 
the way she put it, like she had just gotten out of a bad relationship and she has a tendency to make bad choices when that happens. So uh, she felt like, you know, I was a really nice person and she could trust me. And so like, if she like spent her time hanging out with me, then she could avoid making bad choices. Um, and she actually had a term for it called like platonic friend dating, which was, didn't seem like it, like you needed a, to describe it that way at all. Cause it, like, it was just like a normal friendship. Like, at least from my point of view, it was like, you, nothing was going on that you wouldn't normally do with a friend you hang out with after work or something like that. So I don't know why she like, uh, used the term dating or needed to, emphasize it was platonic or anything. Um, but, you know, it was nice to, like, I don't know, feel, be friends with a new person and, like, have, you know, someone that felt they could trust me and I could, like, help them out some kind of way. So she started coming over to my place after work every day and uh, to basically wait out the traffic because in this area the traffic was super severe. And, like, we'd watch, you know, movies and she'd go home late when the traffic was definitely dead. So, um, but I mean, that would probably only gone on for like a week or two. And then things got more like, uh, touchy feely. So she wanted to do things like snuggle or, or do stuff like that while we watched movies, but still like maintain the whole thing that it was platonic. And, uh, like, uh, she said she was like gay and so she had no romantic or sexual interest in men at all and not in me either. So like, I, I just didn't, I didn't see any problem with it except that it was kind of like odd, but I'm not, I don't have a problem with people, you know? So, uh, so at this point you feel you're being appreciated, which is something right. you're foreign to. And, mm-hmm you're feeling like you're helping her and it's making you feel important as well, I assume. Oh yeah. Like it just, like it felt nice. Like it felt like I was making like a really good friend really Mm -hmm. for the most part. And, uh, and since I, that was something I was lacking in my life at the time, like it, it's just like everything about it seemed great. Right. But it didn't go on like that for very long, you know, like, cause, uh, within, but that couple months of hanging out with her, like she, she escalated it. So it went from, you know, this, this whole platonic thing, just being close friends to now it's a, a romantic thing. And she's definitely like pushing like a romantic interest on me. Um, and, and, you know, and she, she stressed as really amazing because, you know, she's, she's gay. And so she's never been attracted to men before, but she's attracted to me and, and she really like, like made it sound like, you know, an amazing thing. And um, like I wasn't un- like I was, a- I didn't have any intention on like make- starting a romantic relationship with her. So right here, a lot of trust is being built. At first, there's a little bit of victim playing, which kind of gets you feeling for her. She's gone from being in the office to being in your home to cuddling to now wanting a relationship. Um, changing sexual orientation uh, is now thrown on the table. Probably sees you as a safe person or that's how 
it is kind of being thrown your way as like you're a different kind of guy in, in in that sense kind of building you up but also building the trust that you feel that you're trustworthy and that has to play a lot into it and it's a really interesting because eventually this person becomes untrustworthy but the trust that they're creating is quite the of uh, like a, a swerve in a sense of uh that's how you believe the relationship has begun on this formation of trust and that's what you're going to see for a very long time or at least within your head that um it will be hard to uh see things other than trust going forward or, or when you start to see things like gaslighting eventually could happen but you always maybe hark back to these moments so i think that's kind of an interesting build here of, of what's going on as far as the manipulation and how it begins I didn't have any kind of pressure at first to like engage in a romantic relationship or do any kind of normal dating behavior, right. Or, you know, stuff like that. So, but then that flipped it. And so now suddenly like, it's like, uh, like it made it a lot more special just because like now I can like, you know, it can, build something more with somebody I've already gotten to know a lot and like there wasn't really any any pressure at all I guess mm-hmm. like she was really really playing it up right so to definitely make it seem like this amazing thing and I would like definitely put on a pedestal for sure like um because she would like like compare me to you know like uh normal guys or whatever this and you know how much different I am than anybody else and you know uh basically making me out to be this like wonderful and and rare thing. Uh, So she she put a lot of effort into making me feel as special as possible for sure. And like, and we were like uh, hanging out, like, cause we're, we're together at work. We're together after work. We're chatting all the time if we're not together. So it's like, I'm getting just 24 attention, 24 seven attention from her. And that just really made it. So it's impossible to think about anything else really. Like, uh, because like she's basically it's almost it's like the because she's always around like that's always guiding my train of thought it's always on her and on nothing else and not considering this situation or even necessarily like you can't really critically think about how i feel about it because it's just constantly moving forward so and then because things moved so quickly it was also like uh even if i something happened where i was a little bit you know had a little bit of reservation from it. Like there, I didn't really have a time to come to a conclusion on anything. Cause it just keeps, keeps moving forward. So now there's something new happening. Uh, we're going to go do this or that, or, you know, so uh, after sort of being involved with her for a while, like, uh, even when things you would call red flags started happening, I basically just sort of ignored it because I didn't want it to sort of interrupt like a, the good thing. So, like, I think the first thing that was really off-putting to me, like, was her road rage. So, you know, I'm riding in the car with her as a passenger, and she just started, like, yelling at pedestrians or other drivers for, like, reasons that didn't seem to warrant it at all. Um, at least not from my perspective. Like, they would just be walking across the street at a normal pace, and it would just infuriate her, you know? Um, but, and 
you know, I, I actually brought it up to her. It's like, this makes me really uncomfortable, you know, when you do this. But, you know, she would just downplay it and she'd be like, well, I'm a very safe driver. Like, and she was. She, I think, uh, ultimately, you could drive her, uh, describe her driving as, you know, she's a defensive driver and it is fairly safe. But the, <laughs> the yelling at strangers and stuff is like really off putting and caused a lot of anxiety. And I definitely noticed that, like, I would be, like, it, it caused, uh, it's almost like if starting around then, like, I was always had anxiety when I was in a car and I wasn't driving it myself. But it, normally I'd be totally fine being a passenger in a car, but, like, it's, after, like, riding around in her car basically all the time, and she would drive all the time, like, I was, like, developing a, like, I just started to, like, not like being in cars. I wasn't, like putting it together either like i wasn't like saying like oh my god this anxiety is being caused by her road rage i didn't actually piece that together that might have been kind of a you know it's like a denial thing or i thought like well it's it's not something i like but it's not a reason to like stop things right like or end the friendship or whatever uh like she has some quirks yeah i can i can if this is the worst i can deal with it Right, exactly. And so I just, you know, just went along. Um, And things were, like, mostly good for a while like that until, like, all of a sudden she, like, um, she got, was getting kicked out of her house. So she rented a room in a house from someone, and she was getting in, like, uh, basically shouting matches with that person, like, uh, um, for whatever reason, but just having arguments with them all the time. They're like, like her relationship with the person she was renting from just deteriorated very rapidly. Like it seemed like they were very like, like they liked each other a lot. Uh, when I was f- like first hanging out with, uh, hanging out with them, but then like really quickly it deteriorated, and then they're yelling at each other, and so now she's getting kicked out. And she's like, like talking about how like it's like. She's getting kicked out too soon. I think she only had, like, less than 30 days to find a new place. And, like, so she's talking about, like, she's going to end up homeless. And so to prevent that, I just, like, offered her a place she could just stay at my house. And we made an agreement between, like, me and my roommates. She would just stay there for up to three months while she finds a new place. But, um, yeah, she ended up overstaying those three months and it kind of like seemed like she wasn't really she wasn't looking for a new place and so that that was causing a lot of tension with my roommates um was she paying rent uh yeah she was paying a, a portion of the rent so it was me and two roommates so with her she was um paying a fourth but you know the other roommates didn't want four people in the house so there's like it it's causing tension. And then one of the roommates, uh, I think, confronted her about something that he didn't like. And she got really up angry about it and just, like, turned him into public enemy number one, basically. Because, um, like, ultimately it's because she can't take criticism. But I didn't, like, know how systemic that that problem was at this point because it's like the first manifestation of that. Um, And then what made it, I I think uh, then she got sick. So I think if 
if she hadn't have gotten sick, she probably would have gotten kicked out of my house and my roommates would have kicked her out. But she ended up getting sick, like really, really sick, uh, with a lot of pain. So she got like an ovarian cyst and which is like really intense pain. And so she couldn't work and um I ended up paying and she was also she couldn't work because she was also struggling to get on the work leave uh or medical leave so she wasn't getting any payments for that yet so I was like but I, I volunteered to cover like her expenses because it wasn't too bad for me to like pay her for full share of rent and the, the bills and things and so uh so while she was going through that, I was doing that. And I actually like, offered to cover like all of her expenses. Um, and I thought I, I was doing that. But after she was done with surgery and in recovery, like it became kind of clear that like she had expenses she wasn't like telling me about because she decided she, she had no choice. She had to go get a second job, which I didn't understand because all of like everything she needed should have been covered and she should have been getting like her back pay from medical leave. But she, she had had to go get a second job. So she goes out and gets one. And then, um, and then like was upset at me because she said that like, I refused to help her even though she was so sick. And I, I forced her into a situation where she had to work while being sick, uh, which didn't make sense. And, every way because I offered to pay for everything she needed and she she could have just gone back to work right her normal job um although she wasn't supposed to because she was supposed to be through like two weeks of recovery or something after the surgery but it's like if she truly was forced into a position where she needed work she could have just gone back to her normal job not needed to get a second job and she could have just told me what she needed, but I guess she couldn't like whatever, whatever it was, whatever secret expenses she would desperately had to pay. She couldn't tell me what it was. So that's like that. That was the, the first like really challenging situation I had with her. That just didn't, didn't all add up for me. But by this time she's got like living with me and she's like kind of like stuck there. And I guess I was still in the frame of mind where it's like, well, this could all be related to her just being like sick and she was in a lot of pain for a while and like, it's very stressful. So this could be a thing where it's like, once she's better, uh, she has, once she's healthy again, she'll probably be in a better frame of mind and maybe, you know, it's not going to be like this. So I wasn't about to like end things there or anything like that. But, and ultimately like, because of how things got started, I was you know, a good friend of hers, and I did trust her. So, yeah, that, that's essentially the like the first act of this whole story. Yeah. So I guess at this point is where devaluing begins, uh, more boundary testing begins, and a lot of manipulation starts happening, and... Uh, problems really start to become a, a big part of your story uh, at this point. <laughs> exactly. And a lot of that got started because uh, of all the tension she caused with the roommates caused them to, to them to move out. Um, so 
she's like getting healthier, but she still has this like grudge match against one of my roommates. And she's, I mean, I, I didn't know it, but, uh, cause I trust her, but so she was like saying a lot of bad things about him and characterizing him in a very bad way. But really she was like, these were lies that I hadn't detected at the time. Um, so, but she's kind of characterizing him as this unstable individual and he's got to go and he's going to like, we don't know. He's, you know, unstable. We don't know what he's going to do. Um, <laughs> so, the so, per- but, so the person that moved into the home, your ex, uh-huh. your ex-girlfriend who uh-huh. was supposed to only stay for three months, three months, all yeah. of a sudden has the other people leaving the home. Right. Because she's, she's causing like a lot of drama with them. Um, and so like that, so now, now suddenly like my roommates are essentially kind of, especially this one roommate is live, like living in a hostile place, essentially. Like she's made it a hostile place for him because of how she's characterizing him and turning everyone against him. Um, and like, I'm like complicit in that because I didn't understand what was happening, you know? So I'm going along with her, like the fictions she's pushing. And so he ends up pressured out. Like he decides like he's got to go and he makes arrangements and he moves out, you know? And then my other uh, roommate at the time, like uh, I'm still in touch with them, but like, this is a difficult situation for him too. And like, basically he kind of, he was much wiser than I was. So he kind of saw, he was starting to see through who she was and what she was doing um, but he wasn't comfortable talking to me because he didn't know how that was going to go down if he kind of confronted me about his, like, what he thought. But but he knew he had to get out of there and distance himself from her. So he um, he made plans and, and and moved out, you know, a month or two later. I forget the how the timing of it. But, you know, that puts me in a situation where it's just her and I were sharing the house and it's just us. So now there's no like, like external tensions or anything like, uh, so, you know, things, things should even out and get, get nice, nice again. Uh, that was kind of my mindset of it. So I was kind of relieved. Plus it's, you know, I now have you know, these extra rooms of the house to, to work with. So, before it was kind of like I had to have all my stuff in my room, but now I kind of have like the bedroom plus a like, uh, extra whole computer room, and it's, it was just seemed like the situation's getting really, you know, much nicer. Um, An introvert's but, dream space with no one there, <laughs> right? Exactly. So, yeah, you know, I got a room to myself to just work quietly or do whatever I want to do. Um, but you know, but that's also like. Once they're gone and it was just us, that's when things started to, like, turn, you know, ugly, essentially. Because, you know, I would say it's probably because she doesn't have to, didn't have to uh, act in a certain way around others who are, you know, there all the time. But um, she she always did this thing that I kind of shrugged off a bit, but she, like, kind of claimed to have a lot of invisible illnesses. So it'd be stuff like misophonia, which is like a sensitivity to certain sounds that can, it's like intensely irritating. Um, and like OCD and stuff like this. And over time, well, up until this point, like 
she said she would say they had she had these things but it never affected us in any way or like nothing i did like seemed to like trigger anything or so everything seemed fine so i thought it was strange that she would claim to have this stuff but it was never a problem so i kind of forgot about it but all of a sudden like right after we started living just the two of us like all of a sudden all of these things start to play like have a role (laughs) so it's like i have now every little you know you know, I, keep the, I have to eat more carefully all of a sudden because, like, uh, the smallest scrape on a plate, you know, will set her off. Or, um, uh, the, she, like, the, the biggest, like, most standout type of thing she did was, like, one day we were, like, in the kitchen after work and she opens the silverware drawer and just, like, loses it. Like claiming that the silverware is like disorganized and it's all out of place and it's unacceptable and it's the millionth time it happened and she's like yelling and screaming this stuff and like just stomping around and then complaining about everything loudly and slamming doors and it was like it was scary you know this is essentially an adult temper tantrum, <laughs> um, so but I, like she hadn't touched anything in the drawer so I like look in the drawer because I want to know like what I did wrong, right. Because it's like, you know, I could, like, if I did something wrong, I can fix it and it cannot happen again. But, like, nothing was out of place in the drawer. So it really seemed like she was just making it up. And actually, like, and that's also not how OCD works at all. It's That's more like the, I don't know what to say, like a pop culture understanding of OCD. Like, disorganized stuff, like, irritates you and sets you off. But that's not what OCD actually is. It's more of like a, I don't know, it's hard to describe, but it's very different than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was naive to these things. So I didn't, I didn't know that what she was claiming was OCD wasn't OCD at all. She plants the seeds. Like she has these invisible illnesses and she then leverages that as a way to like, like take total control. Right. Cause like, at that point, since I'm always having to work around this stuff, like, I'm walking on eggshells. Like, and I'm always, like, the only thing on my mind is, like, how to, like, like, how to not have that happen again. <laughs> I always have to be, like, I have to be very careful about every sound I make. I have to be very careful about how, you know, you know, everything's put in a room because if she claims that something was put away in a different spot that could be, you know, a trigger for her. And then I have to deal with that. And it's like, like my perspective at the time is almost like it's, well, I want to be understanding and, and compassionate to like her needs. So if she truly has misophonia and OCD and other things, then that's something that I can do my best to accommodate, you know? So at least that was, I was attempting to do, but it was at the same time causing a great deal of anxiety and like, yeah, very difficult to deal with. And uh, and she would come up with, like, spontaneous crises uh, uh, regularly. Like, I would say every week or two, there would be some kind of, like, problem she needed me to fix, big problem. So it would usually be, like, a car problem or some kind of problem with a bill or just, like, something like, where if it didn't get taken care of, it would be a disaster. Um, so... And 
when she would do this, she it wouldn't she wouldn't be at home. She wouldn't be present. It would only be by text whenever the stuff would happen, or she, when she would talk to me about it. And she'd be claiming to have like a panic attack or or acting like she was in a panic attack. And you know, I want to be like understanding and um, work through the problem and you know help calm her down and stuff. So I'd like ask her to like you know call me or I'll call you like because if we speak. You know, it's better to talk about these things. We can't be in person to talk about it over the phone because it's just better communication. So the the rare instances where we're not together, like that's when these things would happen. So like I had, I didn't have too many friends um, before we met, but by this time, like the the friends I did have, like I just I wasn't spending time with them at all. So I kind of drifted apart from them because you know cheesy. There's like. We're always doing, it's just always me and her, and 100% of my time is occupied by that. So now I've, I've just, I've drifted apart from everybody else I know because I, like, was never able to make time for activities with them or anything else. And so yeah, I didn't even realize it at the time, but essentially I didn't, she was, like, my only friend, really, you know? Because even my kind of, even my roommates, who I had good relationships with before, have... Yeah, you know, like they don't really want to talk to me either because I was complicit in, you know, bad situation for them. So like that, and it wouldn't be until much later until like after the relationship before I was able to repair those relationships. So, but yeah, at this time it's, it's just one-on-one me and her and I don't have anything else. <laughs> and was she talking to other people that you knew or saying things about yeah. you? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I found out about that much later, but essentially, like, even at work, she would talk to people about how, because um, I, I was, like, just a quiet, stick-to-myself kind of guy, and but she would tell people that it was because I didn't like them. So, but it, that that's not true at all. Like, people can come up and talk to me about anything they want at any time. I just probably, I won't be the initiator, right? <laughs> but, uh I didn't hate anybody, but that's how what she would tell people. She'd be like, uh, "How come Ethan doesn't want to like do these, this, or that activities?" Um, and she would t- she would just tell them like, "Oh, it's that's because he doesn't like you," you know. <laughs> so she, so even at work, like even though I'm, like you know, I'm not a very social person at work. It was isolating me even at work even more than I already was. Because if I did start to like talk to people at work more. They've already had that seed planted in their head that, you know, I don't actually like them. So they're just going to think I'm, I don't know, pretending or something. I don't know. (laughs) But, yeah, I was – I definitely had no one to really talk to because also, like, even, like – I've had, like, lifelong friends, but um, I only – since they're so distant, I can only communicate with them on the Internet. But she would even talk to them um, without me knowing and she wasn't able to like ruin those friendships, but she made them feel un, I guess, unwelcome. I would say, like, uh, like I had a, a friend who I would play games with occasionally, like on the weekends or something, and she actually was like, uh, I think in a chat she saw that he had made like a joking remark, like you know, I didn't have, uh, because I was dating her, I didn't have time for him anymore, just poking at uh, fun at me, and she actually like sort of attacked him for that and so made him feel uncomfortable saying anything negative for fear that like you know she was gonna you know 
come after him, you know, if she found out. Oh, and then um, the devaluing, like, with the – and it, it really sort of came with the mini crises and – or, you know, the regular crises and things like that is it's just like she's um, – if, you know, if I can't solve the problem exactly – the way she wants me to, then um, it's like it's unacceptable and it's sort of like evidence of problems I have because I can't, you know, I can't see things the way, like, like I can't, she, she makes it seem like I'm incapable of solving problems, right? Or really, like, my suggestions are probably the more rational, you know, um, responsible way to go about it, like, um, instead of dropping a whole bunch of money on this now i might suggest like well you know if you're having car problems it's better to like like not spend every spare dollar we have fixing the car now you can take the bus for a little while and we can save so that we're not you know spending in our entire paychecks on this and you know it'll only take a month and then we'll we'll get the car fixed and back to normal or something um but she, she that would be completely unacceptable to her and it'd be like like evidence that I, I'm not thinking clearly or I can't see what plainly has to be done and stuff like that. And, you know, and well, that's more of a gaslighting thing really, but it still, it still makes you feel like you're not like, um, incapable, you know, well, it makes you like question yourself constantly. Um, and it also makes you feel like guilty because it's just like, um, you're not, you're not able to like it makes you feel like you can't if you can't solve problems you can't contribute to the things that need to be done that looks like there's something wrong with you and you're not like you get like <laughs> it's just a very like confusing situation especially when um what you feel like is a logical approach is being shot down in such an extreme way um and then you're kind of because of that you're kind of forced to go oh or i was kind of just forced in a position where I have to just accept the way she wants to go about it. So at this Doesn't point, you're, you're being devalued. Mm-hmm. You don't feel good about yourself. Do you think you're going crazy a little at this point? Like what's going on in your brain? I don't know. I, I don't think I, at this point I was totally thinking that I was going crazy, but I was definitely losing my confidence. Like I would normally have fairly good confidence in like, um, I guess, I, you know, I don't, I lived on my own for a while, so when problems happened, like, I would solve them myself, and it would always worked out fairly well, and I never had any issues, so, but now it seemed like I'm constantly being confronted where it's like, that's, like, my approaches to anything aren't valid, and that was causing me to lose confidence, uh, and then pretty much everything I would think, so, but I don't think I was, like, felt like I was going crazy just yet, <laughs> like, but it, it, it was kind of, is it did eventually build up into that, you know. What, ha- and, what happened um, to, for that to happen? Things, like, began to really escalate and become extremely chaotic in that, especially when she invited someone to move in with us. So she wanted to rent with the room downstairs to a friend of hers uh, from Facebook, an online only friend, someone she'd never met before, but had known for a while on Facebook. They were good friends on Facebook. And that person was going to move to our city and uh, needed a place to live, so she she wanted to rent the room with them. And I was like, 
uh, well, that sounds fine. And I checked them out on Facebook and, um, they just, they seemed like a good enough person. So I was okay with that. You know, uh, we could be helping them out. And, but then like after the, the move is planned and it's basically already in progress. They're, um, so like they're on the way, essentially driving to our date and city. Like I kind of get confronted with this, uh, idea that the person who's moving in, um, my, uh, my ex, like she wanted, she, she wanted that to become basically like a platonic kind of polyamorous kind of relationship. So nothing physical, but they're going to be like, they're really, really close friends. And so it's like a non-physical sort of polyamorous partnership kind of deal. What does that even mean? What does that I even mean? I don't know. It's, it's really, it didn't make any sense. <laughs> what does that even mean? And, and like, it's too late for me to like reject that idea or question it or be like, like I can't say, well, I need to think about that because they're literally, they've already moved out of where they lived and they're on the way. Like they're going to be there in a day or two. So I, I can't like, there's nothing I can do about this idea she's dropped on me. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what polyamorous friends is called? In my opinion, Not cheating. No, <laughs> friends. Uh, You're just all friends. Just, just friends, <laughs> right? Yeah, just yeah. No, it's it's just like her whole platonic friend dating thing, where it's like I don't know why you need to describe it like that. You're just describing a regular friendship, and so it's kind of like the same way. Like she's like saying all this stuff and using all these words, but it's like it just sounds like a really close friendship you know where your friends who hug you know um but but also uh, a polyamorous friends does sound like cheating it yeah it's like and that's what's so strange about the way she describes it almost like uh i essentially like i want to cheat on you but it's gonna be it's 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 okay or something <laughs> like but we're um, just friends but we're just friends, so it's not. And I'm not using that word. I'm using other words that. Um, yeah, that she's, are confused, to be she's confusing. Acceptable she's, now. Well, she's, she's using words like a word. You it's, know, she's using words yeah. to dance around without lying, possibly to just confuse yeah. you or just to make you not even think about what's really going on. And then, and then, what's really insane is the person who moved in. I am pretty sure they didn't know about that idea of hers either or if they did they had no intention of really like they they probably understood like how i wanted to understand it where just like a close friendship where but they definitely were not on on the same page as her and so almost very shortly after that person moved in like within a week things went started to go downhill and they're they're always in some kind of passive aggressive conflict with one another. Um, cause, cause when this person moved in, they started, uh, dating people like, or looking for people to date and have relationships with almost right away, which I think really angered my ex. Cause it totally went against her kind of weird plan that the, this person who moved in just wasn't, uh, you know, on board with essentially. And I, but knowing more, knowing what I do now about the both of them, I think I'm pretty sure they were manipulating each other, though I didn't really understand what manipulate. Like, I didn't understand. 
I was very naive to things like manipulation and, you know, at the time. So I, I never even considered that kind of stuff was going on, but they were, they were very much like a kind of in like a quiet conflict or well, passive aggressive conflict. They were always like, they'd borrow money from each other and not pay it back. They'd get angry at each other about this and that. And I think I was kind of becoming a scapegoat for both of them because I, I have to constantly deal with both of them daily. And, um, and I, I kind of, I didn't like this person after all anyway, cause they would tell stories about like their job and, and like what was going on at their work. And all I could think of was this person is a bully. Like they bully people and they disguise it as like social justice and stuff. Like they were getting people fired for making innocent mistakes and stuff like that. And it's just like, I don't like this person. I would never be their friend, <laughs> you know, but like, that's the situation at the time. And it was pure chaos and extremely, you know, stressful. Um, you know, and then with all that happening, I'm still getting the, having to walk on eggshells to deal with the, you know, made up, uh, invisible illnesses and the, you know, the, the, the crises, you know, every week or two and um it's just like it's impossible to keep up with and that's like it's taken over my life essentially at this at this point and um i finally had had enough um basically <laughs> uh cuz and so i i like en- enough, I, of I, the, enough of the the roommate or your girlfriend both. Okay. But the sequence of events is I kind of stood up to my girlfriend first because we had, she had a, like a thing where on Saturday night or Sunday, super early morning, you know, I think these things usually happen at like 3 a.m. Car window gets broken. Somebody broke into her car, you know, and it's, um, and so we have like, and that turns into one of her crises, except this one's real but it's she kind of just blows it completely out of proportion because it's not it sucks to have your window broken it's going to cost money to fix but it's not the end of the world but the way she like that but that's how she takes it right this is the end of the world and um so it's like she she loses it over that and then we have to go out and get the window fixed and then of course she doesn't have the money to do it so i'm gonna have to pay for it and we're driving around, and I'm I'm trying to search. She's having me look for a place to go to get it fixed. I'm, I, and so I'm on my phone doing that, and I'm like, I can't find any place that's open. Like, it's Sunday. I didn't even know this, but I guess glass repair shops just aren't open on Sunday here. I thought they'd be a seven-day-a-week business, but not, you know, in this city, apparently. And, and she got extremely upset with me at that. So it was basically like, you know, proof of my incompetence or my my laziness or something like, but it, you know, it's like, it's kind of like, well, of course you can't find any place in this, you know? And like, so she starts yelling at me and I actually like, I just have to tell her to like pull over. Cause I like, I already have anxiety when I'm riding in the car with, you remember? So it's like, that's way too much. I just told her to pull over and I'm just like, it's Sunday and I can't find a place. See if you can find one. And then of course she couldn't. And, we go back home, but that's kind of fixed it into my mind. And it's like, I have to, I have to 
say something. Like I have to stand up for myself. Like, because clearly up until that point, I hadn't done that at all for anything. And I, so kind of, kind of resolved and I like approached her and I, all I, all I said was, you know, um, uh, it's, it's like the, in the car this morning, like it's, it's not okay to yell at me like that. Um, and that's, that's the only point I had to make. Like it's, and it's not okay to yell at me like that. And that turned into like probably one of like our, the biggest fight ever, but it, I wouldn't call it a fight because it was completely one way. It was her sh- like shouting at me like even louder than she shouted at me in the car. And it was just hours, two to three hours of blame shifting, you know, basically her could, just telling me how everything's my fault. I never do anything for her. You know, uh, like relationships completely unbalanced and like, it's as though she has to do everything. And I'm, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm basically, you know, worthless, you know, and it's just hours of that. And so at, at, at this point, you know, she's instilled fear in you. You feel obligated to do everything. And now you're feeling guilty even when you stand up for yourself. So right. I assume now that you're afraid to do anything because everything is blown right. up in your face. And yeah, I, I can't even present a simple concern because that's that's too much. Like, I'm not allowed. But you're still hooked. Like, uh, I mean, yeah. Oh, at this point, it's it's probably it's yeah like it's very hard to describe like i would definitely say that it's like it's like i definitely was in less trauma bonded at this point so it's like i know things are bad and this shouldn't be happening but i don't but i'm kind of stuck like i couldn't into things if I wanted to because things are so chaotic and you're, I can't. You're an addict. You're an addict. Yeah, I, I'm a sad. I'm an addict in that because even though I know things are awful, I, there are still some good things that happen. And like, um, she definitely does the thing where after a, a night like that, where she she shouts me down until I'm in tears. But the next day, she's like super nice, or you know, the next little while, she's super nice and. It's it's like it was in the beginning. Yeah, she knows she took it too far. She takes it too far, and then so she's pulling it back and making it appear like this isn't how it's gonna be, you know. And I I'm just living one day at a time because I never know what's gonna happen next. Like between her and this new roommate and their whole dynamic, and like. I can't I can't plan ahead at all because it's just one thing after another and it's unpredictable. Yeah, and then uh, so I tr- I had enough of of her behavior and then that blew up on me. But then like I have the other the roommate to deal with and finally there was like a weekend where like she had filled the sink with her own dirty dishes or whatever. Like and I guess she just didn't want to wash her own dishes so she just made the claim that they were mine and I needed to deal with it. And I tried to like, you know, stand my ground a bit. You know, I, I didn't, I don't, 
you know, at this point in time, I didn't understand the concept of boundaries. So I'm kind of like trying to, I'm finally trying to set boundaries, although I didn't understand that that's what I was doing. <laughs> but I just try to say like, no, no, like, this isn't mine. You did this. This is your responsibility. You need to do it. And so that I enraged the roommate as well. And they blew up on me and they like texting my phone constantly and saying incredibly mean things. Um, and then also using that as weaponizing that, uh, with my, my ex-girlfriend and, um, you know, m making me out to be this terrible, awful person to them and they're text bombing them as well. And I ended up, I just blocked their number. I was like, I've had enough. Like, I don't have to <laughs> accept this kind of thing. So I just blocked their number and I was like, I am not going to speak to this person again. Like <laughs> this isn't you know, unacceptable. And so the, the roommate, um, just finally decided they were going to move out and they did uh, a few, few weeks later, I think. But it's just like, yeah, like, <laughs> but it's like these, these first two times I try to like, st you know, just stand up for myself in a simple way. And it, it's a huge explosion both times. And yeah. Yeah. The roommate moves out. This is really the beginning of act three. I, I really, like I, I didn't, I didn't understand any of this kind of behavior at all because I've never experienced this kind of stuff in my life up until this point. So it was extremely confusing to me, and I couldn't make any sense of it at all. And then what with, like, the, essentially like being addicted to this relationship, like I wasn't actually trying to solve the problem that much, really. And with the roommate leaving, I just like. The first time when the roommates moved out, like it, it was like the same thing. It's like, oh, this this problem person is moving out, therefore things might get better. <laughs> but it, it, things became worse than the the last time that happened. And you know, she always has to um, present herself in the best light and make herself out to be like uh, this great person. And so when other people are around, she has to put on that face, you know. So. But when there's nobody there, she doesn't have to do that because she doesn't care what I think. You know, like at this point, she can treat me however she wants. I can't do anything about it. I can't say anything about it because uh, it would just be, you know, turn into another like being shouted down and stuff. So this is when she started like claiming to need need to work overtime. So she was like, she would always say 100 plus hours of a week she needed to work to make ends and uh it's more like 60 but you know she, she exaggerates everything so 100 hour plus is <laughs> that's how she likes to exaggerate stuff um actually i know it probably was that no I, I haven't done the all the math on exactly how many hours a week she'd be gone but she was gone all the time um she said she needed to work all this overtime to to make it men's ends meet and just to, so we could survive but like i i i did our budget multiple times and our total income was fine like uh even without either of us working any overtime we were bringing in enough money that both of us you know independently could fulfill our mutual you know gig obligations as far as household expenses so it's like you know each pay our half comfortably and have money left over 
And so this whole concept of hers that she was forced into a position where she has to now work all this overtime made no sense to me. Um, it was definitely optional. So I'm not going to, like, so, <laughs> uh, but yeah, she started being gone. It, it kind of ramped up, so she'd be gone most of the day and come home and uh, with only, like, a few hours before we'd go to bed. But then it kind of escalated to where she just, she would only come home to sleep on weekdays. So she and it would only be like for six hours. So she'd only come home six or seven hours a day, just to sleep, and then she she'd eat, wake up, get up, get out of bed, get dressed, and leave. Are you getting um, suspicious at this point? Yeah, very. Yeah, uh, definitely. Like everything from this point on that starts to happen, I know that it. Like I have my suspicions, and I know what I think. Like these kinds of things probably mean, but I I don't have anything definitive like nothing concrete to like say like she's definitely up to something or i don't know what that something be so i just keep giving her sort of the benefit of the doubt but i like i know i'm pretty certain i was pretty certain she was lying about her working hours you know at the time i was pretty certain i now know for a fact she was not working any overtime but um but yeah like i, I was suspicious of almost everything at this point but i just never had enough information to go on to to move past just constantly forgiving and giving her the benefit of the doubt i guess but uh she's gone all the time she's only coming back on she's only at home really on weekends but even then she'd still leave for eight to ten hours to work more overtime so she's home more on weekends but essentially not really um, and, uh, and then she, um, she constantly, despite, you know, claiming to work all these hours, she's also having major financial issues. Like she's constantly overdrawing her account and going negative. And so I have no idea, like how, how it's even happening because if she's working, I did the math and it's like, I would add up all the hours she would say she was working and you know, and her the wage she said she was earning all this, and like she should be should have been making so much money it was ridiculous. Um, there it should have been impossible for her to run her accounting. I mean, I don't know what you could possibly spend that much money on, but she would she constantly be claiming to like overrunning her account and going negative sometimes by a thousand dollars or more, and so I would have to fix that. And, like, she'd be unable to pay her share of rent, so I'd have to pay it. Um, and she would, at the time, she was the one sending the rent checks to our landlords. And she actually bounced a rent check. And so I had to take control of that situation and pay the full amount of rent myself. And then I, I made myself the person who would send the checks. So I could be sure that when it happened, like a check won't bounce again. <laughs> but it's like, uh, but yeah, it's just, she's just never home. And I'm constantly having to deal with these major problems. And then she still does the whole thing where there's basically like every pay cycle, she's, there's a new crisis I have to solve. Um, you, 
usually by just PayPaling her money. And if I said no to that, then that would be a huge problem for me, you know? Hey, I think at this point we'd been together like two years. So yeah, she, she, she had full confidence she'd be able to do this stuff. So essentially what she does is she, uh, she was doing is she would just spend her money on whatever she wants. You know, she wants to go to concerts, she'll buy concert tickets. She wants to, uh, she wasn't working. So she was spending that money with going out, binge drinking and, uh, just not and with I, you. I, I, just not with me. And I would eventually find out there's or much more than that. Cause during this whole period, like she's essentially love bombing another guy. So a lot of that time spent doing that. I didn't, I had no idea there was like of the cheating. I mean, I kind of had my suspicions based on things she would do, but I had no concrete proof or anything. And I didn't want to be that person who starts making, uh, accusations. accusations. Yeah. And you did not want this in your, in your mind, are you thinking, I don't want this relationship to end? Like you're still addicted to the, the drug aspect of it. Like you're hooked up the love addict part of it. And you know, now, you know, if you put up any sort of stink that is beyond your normal stink, it could be over. Yeah. Yeah. And she was definitely threatening to, she's threatened to end the relationship a couple of times. During that whole time, she's actually building the case to, 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 to leave me so uh she's you know she's making me out to because I, I don't have contact with any of her friends at all essentially like i i haven't i've never i haven't even met her friend uh and she has like this whole new set of friends at this point um sort of stuff that's happened throughout this time is like most of our all of our mutual friends were from the job together at but by this point in our relationship we both worked at different jobs we had both gotten new jobs since then, separate jobs. And so the only mutual people you could call mutual friends who knew us both, like, um, they're, they're out of the picture by now. So she's made a whole, all an entirely new circle of friends. And I, I don't know any of them. I haven't met any of them. I might know some of their names, but that's it. I bet they know a lot about you and it's all terrible. Right. Yep. Uh, she essentially had been um, building the case in people's minds and planting the seeds that I was abusive and manipulative person and that she was like drowning in this relationship, get it, needed to get out. Or I think a term she would use all the time is she's suffocating uh, stuff like that. And so she's really like, she's, it's like she knows people will eventually figure out that she's cheating and she's making, she's planting the seeds so that if people do find out about that, she has an excuse and it makes it okay. Yeah, she's creating these flying monkeys that they have no idea that they are those yet until eventually one day right. they fall out of love with them and, and, and realize, oh, this person's a terrible person. Maybe Ethan's actually a pretty good guy. Who knows if they would even think that, but they're just probably happy that they would leave. Right, exactly. Um, so how did you find out about everything and like what led to the eventual downfall? I found out about everything when uh, she had um, accidentally left herself logged into Google on my personal computer. So I'm a, a big Google user, so the way I have my computer set up is once it starts up and you log into Windows, 
it auto uh, it launches Chrome and you can you and uh, Hangouts is set up as an app, so it popped up. But she had left herself logged in, so I just log into my computer after work one day, and I see her Hangouts conversation where I would expect mine to be. And so I saw her having you know, conversations with multiple people, but um, first thing I saw was a conversation she was happening with a friend of hers that's only online. It's not a... Uh, and, but she was basically bragging about all the terrible things she'd been doing to me. Um, like bragging about uh, manipulating me, and uh, but also uh, talking about in detail um, a night she was uh, like um, cheating on me and like uh, doing all kinds of drugs with her secret boyfriend, essentially, who was uh, going to replace me with. And it completely, like, I, I didn't know how to process it at all. And, like, um, and there was a lot more than that. Like, she, there were the conversations she was having, having directly with the person that she, she was cheating on me with and conversations with other people. And then I think she was, um, I'm pretty sure she was, she was, in relationships with not just me and the secret boyfriend, but with other people too. Cause she's also talking to someone about how so-and-so wanted to break up with her, but they were too afraid to. So it was like a third person <laughs> she was in a serious relationship with. So she has like multiple people she, who she's in serious relationships with. And I'm just the one that she lives with. Um, and I, uh, so this is like a tidal wave of information that essentially like confirmed all the suspicions I'd been having, but it was still impossible to to process really. Like, but but it was indisputable proof, right? And even that, with this indisputable proof, are you thinking of breaking up with her, or are you thinking let's have a uh, conversation about this? I, I'm thinking I have to talk to her. Like, I, uh, yeah, like the idea of breaking up with her did not pop into my, it wasn't the first thing that popped into my head. It was, uh, it was first like admitting to myself that I don't know what to do about this. And then the second thing was, like, uh, well, I guess the only responsible thing to do is to talk to her about it. Even though I like definitely this long into the relationship, you know, almost three years in the relationship, I'm definitely like, I know it's it's like any attempt to talk to her about something not even close to the serious meet ends in disaster, and this is extremely serious. Uh, it's devastatingly serious. Like, so I have no clue what's going to happen, but it's the only thing I can think of to do. I have to have a conversation with her, and I try to confront her about it. And uh, I, all I ask is. Oh, well, I come to her and I, I'm just like, all I ask is like, I, I wanted to, like, I, I want to know what the status of our relationship was, or is, and, um, and she's like, oh, I kind of, I haven't been, I don't really, I try not to have this conversation with you or something like that, um, but then I just straight up asked, um, are you in a relationship with someone else right now? And all she said was no. And then I tried to ask it in a more tactful way. I was just like, okay, well, are you, 
are you planning on ending your relationship with me and starting one with someone else? And she said, no, she doesn't relationship. Um, <laughs> which is, you know, she's clearly lying to me because of what I've discovered. And she doesn't know I know this stuff. But, and, and then that, that conversation still devolved into hours, you know, the typical hours long blame shifting. You know, everything's a disaster because of me and stuff. And, um, like, I was definitely, like, not not in a mentally healthy state, like, before I discovered all this stuff. Because she, she'd actually uh, also been, like, seriously, I didn't understand it at the time, she'd also been seriously gaslighting me up until this point as well. And trying to convince me that I was, like, suicidal and stuff. So I was, to, like, before I discovered this, I was blaming myself for everything and trying to, like, fix myself, figure out, like, what's wrong with me, what do I got to fix, and how do I feel, how do I, <laughs> how can I not feel terrible all the time? But I thought it was all, like, something I had to fix in myself. I had, I was, I guess because of the gaslighting, like, I wasn't attributing things uh, to her at all, or hardly at all. Was, but with, and then this on top of all that, like it was, I was like in the darkest place of my life, really. Like, you know, um, but at least discovering this, the one thing it did do was, uh, it was like, proof that like the things I the things I thought were true were true and that my, at least a, a big chunk of my self-doubt wasn't warranted you know I guess because after we the following day after we had that I tried to have the conversation with her and she just turned it around on me for hours I that that's when I finally realized like I have to like I have to break up with her. It has to be it has to be done. And so I like that discovery and knowing that I had been right about some things that and that's really bad gate this probably the only thing that gave me just enough courage to finally say like I have to exit this <laughs> as soon as possible. Because yeah, it would have if I hadn't discovered that, I would have just kept on going, for sure, mm-hmm. for however long. I mean, she was planning on leaving me, uh, like, in a few months from that point. Like, she had an actual plan that in September of that year, so that was just, like, a few months after that or something like that, she had already made plans to completely discard me, and she wasn't going to tell me anything about it. She was just going to disappear uh, and just leave me hold like with all these problems to solve and, you know, and take all my money in the meantime, in the, in the interim. So I would have been left, you know, essentially like penniless with, you know, a house I can't afford. And, and like, that was her plan to do that. And of course she, uh, she justified it all because like probably from the point of view of her friends, like, or it's definitely the point of view they have now. It's like, I gave her no choice because of how terrible I was, right? And so, obviously, if 
if you're as terrible as she claimed I was, like anybody's going to, yeah, you have to do that. You have no choice. You have to do that. So that's, that's how she painted me to justify everything and make her plan okay in the eyes of her new friends and stuff. So how does it end? Uh, well, geez. I mean, I, so I, like the next day I decided to break up with her. And so that night, like I come home and of course she's doing the miniature love bombing and she's being extremely nice and apologetic and like cook dinner and everything. And like, uh, um, I just told her, uh, I'm ending the relationship. (laughs) Like, yeah, that was extremely difficult to do, but, and then like, I couldn't sleep for a week and I was still, I was trying to be, despite how terrible the situation was and how angry I should have been, I, you know, I wasn't, I was just like, in a, I was in that fog super deep because I'm also still self-doubting to an extreme amount, um, because it's like, what if I got this wrong? What if somehow I'm misinterpreting it? And of course I'm not. It's, I had to keep reminding myself how plain and indisputable like the evidence was. And I can't, like, even if I was misinterpreting it a lot, it was still proof of enough, right? And so going through tons of self-doubt and, and I, I want the separation to be, you know, amenable, I guess, or... So I was going to stick around for another like month and a half and help with this transition. But I was like, I couldn't sleep for a week and I was, I was getting super sick, both my mental state and physically because I'm not sleeping and like, I can't think straight. She, she was definitely taking advantage of that and just gaslighting me like crazy during that time. Like really making sure that I believed that or trying to make me believe that uh, I was the person to blame and that I was abusive to her. Uh, she went with the story that I didn't know I was an abusive person, but I was. And that's how she wanted me to think of it. So she wanted me to think like, oh, and and, uh, and she she completely denied having cheated and everything. So she's going with the story that she never did anything wrong and that um, I was abusive, but I didn't realize it. So I should blame myself and we should move on or something. But she was definitely pinning everything on me, trying to make me believe that story. Um, but uh, during this time, <laughs> since I'm not sleeping at all, I actually started to research like what this was and what had happened. And that's when I first started to actually understand what things like gaslighting was and all, you know, uh, and emotional manipulation. And so I'm putting it all together. I'm like, yep, this is basically how, what, how I was, what I thought was going on, but didn't know, know definitively. And so never did anything about it. And so I was learning about all that. And then I, I realized what she was doing, uh, to me at that point and I realized like I can't stay here you know month month and a half I can't do that like it's probably you know it may even be dangerous to do that <laughs> so I actually I changed my plans and I I just 
I left. I had someone come and get me. I loaded the car full of as much as my personal items as I could and left with them and moved two states away. <laughs> so, so that's how it ended. So you, so you just like took off completely because that's the best thing you could do. Have you spoken to her since? Uh, yeah, I stayed in contact with her for a few months after that. And she wanted me to believe that I was the problem. So she was being, she was being nice, but also like, uh, what had happened was also off limits to discuss essentially kind of like if I ever tried to talk to her about anything, cause you know, she was still trying uh, to control everything. So she's telling people that I was abusive, but of course I don't have contact with those people. So I don't even know, but um, but she's trying to maintain a relationship with me because I guess that's just what she does. Like she, she has multiple relationships going at all time. And there's a primary one, the person she, whoever she lives with at the time, but she always has multiple relationships going at all times. And I, she, I, she was trying to main, maintain that with me. I was just going to be one of those long distance relationships for her to milk for, to continue to use as an ATM because mm-hmm. At some point, I'm going to be reestablished and I'll have money again and she can fake, she can continue the, the con, you know. So. So how are you doing now? Uh, a ton better. Like, so, um, yeah, because. Like, how did you get, this, you're, you're out of your fog now, you're two states away. Mm-hmm. So once you're yeah. out of the fog, are you feeling shame and guilt over everything? And if you were or are, how did you get. Uh, around or through that it, it was a mix so yeah i was feel i was in the, the still in the fog still feeling shame and guilt but at the same time i was researching this kind of thing as much as i possibly could so i was it's it's such a strange thing it's like i i had a full understanding that it, you know essentially like she had conned and and used me and done all these things uh, manipulated me and, and just completely abused me. I like it, and I I could understand that and see it. But then I was I still had that lingering sort of addiction going on, and I still somehow wanted to like go back to the way it was type thing. Uh, so I was wrestling with that a lot. But during that time, I was also reestablished in contact with who our mutual friends were when we worked together. And I started to learn, get a, you know, learn through them that, you know, I wasn't crazy. Like she really, uh, she, she really does lie about everything and she does it to everyone. So when I'm getting back in touch with people, like, you know, uh, uh, basically I just started learning about how to lie to them and she's, she's, she has like a different story, different stories about herself that she would, she tells everyone. And so it's very validating and confirming. It's just like, okay, I'm not, I'm not wrong about this. Like she is what I think she is and other people confirm it. And, you know, cause she, she did all kinds of incredibly terrible things that I had, had no idea about. Like I thought that she had um, left that job for a new one just for simple reasons, like she was unhappy and she had kind of like a conflict with boss. So she, she found a, you know, a newer, better job. 
But what really happened is she was like making false sexual harassment claims against her boss and others. And so she had created, uh, like basically she was going to be fired, but she didn't tell me that <laughs> I didn't know what was happening at all, but she had created a massive mess at that job and had to, had to quit before they fired her. Um, but yeah, like she, she just, she manipulates and cons everyone, even, um, just people on Facebook, like she's part of these, you know, uh, closed Facebook groups. Um, and she was part of a group called like, uh, mommy atheists or something similar to that. She literally cons those people. She manipulates them emotionally to give her money and, and gifts and things. Yeah. She's a real con and, artist, this person. Yeah. She does this to literally everyone she, she, she interacts just, just, with. It's just one giant path of destruction. Continue, like, and you're done, you're done, keeps on going and moving and going and moving and yeah. going. And she's a she nomad. has no, she has, and she keeps, she, she's constantly generating new circles of friends, whether in real life or online. And so she's always prepared to, to abandon an old one and replace them with, with a new, new one. one. And all the, the whole entire time she knows when the old one is going to be leaving. She's already developing the new one. And then when the other person either leaves or she's just done with all of the probably arguing, you know, then she'll leave herself once she's got solid footing somewhere else. Most of the time it probably occurs when they get a new job because all of a sudden you have a brand yeah. new set of friends. They have no idea who she is. <laughs> And she just keeps on exactly. moving and moving and moving. And then eventually that job, she'll have to leave there. He gets a new job. And it's just a continuous cycle for her. And yep. everyone else and, is the and, aftermath. And you have to rebuild your life. Right. And, she, yeah, she just doesn't – she doesn't hesitate to – I mean, essentially she's a pathological liar, although it's – she knows yeah, what she's. She knows what she's doing. She knows what she's she doing. She just yeah. doesn't care. Yep, she definitely doesn't care because she, she'll make up ridiculous stories. Like I think the last thing I heard about me because I went no contact, complete no contact with her, almost three months ago now. But since then, like she's, she definitely has been smearing the heck out of me, or at least was for a while. And I think the last thing. I heard about that was like she um she she was saying that I was in love with someone else and uh but that person was trying to drive me to suicide and save that or something so she's like like making up these bizarre stories where she's both a victim and compassionate hero and I was both you know, it's these bizarre, completely made up stories, and and um, but that it's it's like to smear me. She's also smearing others, painting this person who, uh, you know, as someone who's driving people to suicide. Like who? And this person, I had no relationship at all with that person. I wasn't really even friends with them hardly at all. Um. But it's just like, yeah, she doesn't she doesn't care who she hurts or what she does as long as it serves her needs in some one fashion or another. So before 
we end the show for everyone out there. What is the biggest thing or takeaway that you would want other people to learn from what happened to you? Um, I mean, I think like the biggest lesson I've learned from this whole thing is like, uh, you just, you don't want to let yourself get too isolated. Like you always want to have people you can talk to and, to talk to about anything that's making you feel uncomfortable. Cause I think if I did that, if I had safe people to talk to and vent my concerns to, they could have, uh, helped me understand what was happening much sooner. And I could have like saved myself a lot of trouble. <laughs> so Ethan, uh, thank you for being on the show. And this was my episode with Ethan, and hopefully you made it all the way through and and fought through some of the sound issues and the changes of sound. And I just thank you for listening to it, and a big thank you again uh, to Ethan, especially since it's been probably like two and a half years since you recorded this. So that's a lot of patience for your episode to eventually make it out to uh, the main public. So a really big thank you to everyone. And... I think, uh, you know, two years ago to today, the show has changed so much in how I've done the show. Um, this was originally done in like a three-act structure. There was a period of time where I was doing like these three-act structures. I'm actually now thinking now that this might not even been early 2020. This might have been 2019. Like this is a really old episode. This was like really, really early on, uh, this episode. So... Um, the whole structure has changed and how I did things. Cause I remember when I was doing this three act structure, people would send me emails saying like, please do not do the three act structure. So I went back to doing it how we normally do it and things kind of evolved and the mandate of the show changed over time. So kind of going back and listening to this, you know, it really takes me back to the infancy of everything and, uh, really not knowing what I was doing. And just kind of winging it and learning about abuse and narcissistic abuse and personality disorders and domestic violence and coercive control and everything under the sun. And if I could go back uh, with this episode and uh, do some changes of how I was asking questions, I even could tell how fast I was going and there was no thinking on my part. It was like just what was ever in my head I would say and it's changed a lot where I think a lot more and I process things a lot more while I do the podcast and I don't know for me it's, it was interesting to listen to and to re-edit again um, so thank you to everyone who uh, went through that and now listening to me do this whole entire spiel so anyway we're always looking for more people to be guests on our show uh, no episode is too small or, or, or too large or, or whatever that means, but I'm just rambling. So if you want to be a guest, please do go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page. Please read all the instructions. Send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or fill out our Guest Form submission page and press Submit. And... Uh, as well, if you need support, please join your support group um, also at NarcissistApocalypse.com. You click on the support group button, 
And that takes you to our safe social network where we have bonus episodes like this, even though this one's now on the main page, the main show. And we have ad-free episodes, we have uh, forum boards, and we have Zoom meetings every Wednesday night and Saturday night and every other Thursday afternoon. And uh, if you want even more support, please do go to domesticshelters.org. They're a friend of our show. And there you can find shelters, you can find resources, free articles. It's a great place. It's a wonderful organization. So it's at domesticshelters.org. And... I think that is it for now. Oh, if you just really want to support the show, uh, just join our support group. It helps us out a lot. Um, So that is that. And now from myself and Ethan, if you still listen to the show, I hope you do. Actually, I hope you don't because I want you to move on from our show. So hopefully Ethan is doing well. I thank him for helping everyone. And that's it from myself and Ethan We hope you have a good night.